0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Home Hero Podcast with Mike here and Stephen. And today we have Ronnie Zeiger, like tiger, uh, Ronnie Zeiger on the phone. And we're going to be discussing some of his work uh, in and around the healthcare industry. He's done some really exciting things over at Google, uh, give a really, really interesting uh, TEDMED talk, which we'll include in the show notes. And then is working on a, uh, a really interesting new company that I'll let him go into the specifics on. But Ronnie, uh, thanks for coming on and spending some time with us.
1: It's great to be here with you.
0: Uh, So as a bit of background, can you uh, give folks listening and and myself and Steve here uh, some history as to how you got so passionate and involved in healthcare? Has it been something that's always been in your bones with the the classical case of having your family involved in it and, and you picked it up or was it a story or did you kind of fall into it?
1: Um, maybe a little bit of a combination of a couple of those, so i I was a pretty nerdy kid uh, and thought I would end up doing something related to science. I ended up um, not loving the the kind of less than social atmosphere of working in a lab and hanging out um, with with tiny things under microscopes um, and that made me explore medicine, um, which i I ended up loving and so I went to medical school. And, um, uh, I actually still practice a little bit of medicine, um, which I, um, which I feel really privileged to do. I I moonlight in a, in an urgent care clinic, um, my, my county hospital. Um, but pretty early in my career, I, felt like I was practicing in a system that was so much more archaic than it needed to be. I actually grew up in Silicon Valley. I didn't really pay too much attention to the Silicon Valley part of that. Um, at least I didn't realize that I was paying attention to it. But when I got to medical school, it was it was like going back in time. And um, so I I had learned a little little bit about software and started building tools for myself and my fellow students and kind of became... You know, the guy with the Palm Pilot and the guy who gave other people advice about how to incorporate technology into their studies and practice. And um, and so that actually ended up turning into be a little bit of my specialty and, and a couple years after practicing full time. I missed that part of, of my life and it was, I didn't really realize it, but it was kind of my creative outlet too, um, designing, designing and building products. And, and so I went back to school, got some formal, um, sort of nerd, nerd training, uh, in the, in the biomedical informatics department at Stanford. And, um, and since then I've been having a, a bunch of really, uh, exciting and educational adventures at the intersection of, of, um, digital and health, which today we actually
0: call digital health. <laughs> so you were there before they even coined the term.
1: <laughs> well, um, uh, I'm not sure about that, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's been, it's been a, it's been a pretty dramatic couple decades. Uh, I, I guess I've, I've been in the space of digital health maybe for about, um, 10, 15 years now. So, so it's a, it's been a, it's been quite a, quite a, a set of, of learning experiences, I think, for, for this new industry and for the healthcare system, which is trying to figure out how to, how to incorporate technology in a way that's, that's useful and sort of just disruptive enough.
0: That's awesome. Um, that's really inspiring. And, you know, I, I actually, I didn't, I didn't mention this to you pre-show, but I initially saw your name uh, not from the, the TED Talk or anything like that, but from Digital Doctor, the uh, book by uh, Robert Wachter. Um, that talked about that referenced you and some of your work at Google, and I, I, I think I was driving at the time and like pulled over to write it down, um, and said I really would love to reach out to you. Um, so, that, so that's uh, that's really inspiring.
1: Well, that's um, terrific. Yeah, Bob, Bob Walker is is. Um, actually was a mentor of mine, he was one of my professors during residency, and, and uh, he's, a, he's a really inspirational person. So it's, it's been really fun to stay in touch with him, and, and certainly an honor for me to um, get a little cameo in his recent book.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so at the, at the time, or I guess you know, working at Google, what was your experience like? I mean, what was your initial task, um, and, and how, did that, how did that role sort of play out? Well, you know, I feel like answering a different question
1: first because it kind of relates. So, I, because I've I've sort of been wandering around in this intersection of technology and health for a while now, I get a lot of, uh, especially younger folks, um, and I'm not that old, by the way. I'm 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 44, Um, but but younger folks who are figuring out, for example, how to craft their path through. Um, you know they might be on the on the technical or product or business side and want to do something in health or they might be on the health side and want to do something in the in the digital world and one thing that I've kind of accidentally figured out is the most interesting things seem to happen when you're at the intersection of two fields so um, so for me i was you know I was a pretty sort of straight clinical person and then and then became um, involved in, in software and then went back to school. And, uh, and I was, um, I was already living in Mountain View and I, uh, used to ride, ride my bike a lot, still do not quite as much as I used to. And I kept on riding by the Google campus. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be crazy if I could convince Google to hire me to do something in healthcare? And, um, and I kind of probably dismissed it the first couple of times I thought about it, but I was, I was getting, getting to the point where I had to figure out, well, you know, what kind of career do I really want to have now, now that I figured out that full time medicine is not going to be for me. And, um, and so, you know, I've been, I've been in the area long enough that I, that I found someone who knew someone and got invited in to have a conversation and ended up giving a, giving a talk at Google, basically saying, here's what I think Google should consider doing in the health space and you know a year's worth of consulting and conversations later they they offered me a job and i think the kind of the, the best thing about it for me was that at google especially in those first couple of years everyone who had a, a question or an idea about something related to medicine or even science assumed that i knew everything about it and <laughs> brought that question to me and then everything on everybody on the outside um, of Google, assumed that I knew everything about software, and brought their questions and ideas to me um, if they were potentially relevant to Google, they thought. And so, you know, most of those people were wrong about me knowing more than they did about uh, about the things that they were talking about. But um, but to some extent, that becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. And if you know kind of enough about the the two or the few areas that you really care about, I can start thinking about how to connect the dots. Um, that's where that's where kind of that's where all the fun seems to happen.
0: That's really that's such a that's such a good point. I know I know we discussed briefly uh, earlier, but I think there's a lot of people out there, myself included, that have been in the shoes of thinking, boy, I'd love to contribute to improve the healthcare system in some way, uh, knowing that you know the U.S. is a great healthcare system, but it's very expensive, and thinking about how do I play a part in that. And I think everyone feels this deep-rooted. Uh, uh gravity towards making a real positive impact in the world um, but it's often difficult to find your place there and I think that's such a great point to say if you can become a quote-unquote expert in two fields uh, there's always that intersection of um, you know the breakwater where there's always really interesting opportunities and, and you're also different you know there's there's you know hundreds of thousands of physicians out there <coughs> that have phds and they have Specialized degrees, but there's very few that can do more than any of the others. You know, it's 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 one thing to have experience a problem, uh, but then it's another to, to actually be able to go out and build it. Um, at at that time, we're so that was around uh, 2006, 2007. What were some of the things you think that that Google was, or more or less, the industry was thinking about? And then, how does that progress to today? Are we are we still stuck in the same? Uh, digital age, about or do you think over the last six years we've really made uh, significant, or I guess that would be more than that, ten years significant progress uh, towards improving improving the state of affairs.
1: So I'll start on the, the slightly cynical side. Um, we haven't we haven't made a lot of progress um, in, in in a lot of ways. I think that I think that we're we're a lot closer than we were, but. Um, but we're in this, we're, we're a little bit stuck right now in a place where, you know, kind of the health IT, um, industry, the things that you just saw at the HIMSS conference, you mentioned to me that, that you were there. Um, you know, we're still kind of shoving technology into a pretty constrained box. That is the healthcare delivery system and, and incentives are pretty poorly aligned. It's still mostly about billing. And not about innovating how to provide better care. Um, we're heading towards things like accountable care organizations, where I, I, I think and hope incentives will be more aligned, so that patients and doctors and payers all actually are working towards the same things. Um, but but we're certainly not there yet. And so the 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 industry, the the big customers for the kinds of things that many of us are doing, um, aren't quite quite ready to um, to experiment that much to use. Many of the things that that are and could be built. At the same time, there's there's a whole bunch of of bright spots that are that are getting brighter and larger. And I think we are, um, you know, we're we're pretty close to seeing. I think that there, a real second, maybe third generation of EMRs that were designed um, by um, by really good designers with um, who who understood the problems, who understand the problems of. of patients and clinicians and and who um, who have as as current or potential customers organizations that are innovating around the way um, care is delivered and paid for so that we can start to um, solve for end users problems instead of for kind of surrogate problems which is which happen to be better aligned with with where the money is and and I think that's probably the biggest issue is is the the often disconnect between financial incentives and real value to uh to end users um Mm -hmm. which are which are usually patients and sometimes um doctors clinicians as well um so you know i still when i when i moonlight in urgent care you know the emr is still in the way and and kind of a, a necessary evil uh in terms of my ability to to provide the best care that I know how Hmm. Um, it's it's really a it's it's you know it's a glorified billing system
2: I remember a story back from a few months ago maybe a few years uh, the epic EMR system started recommending lethal doses of medication to some people in its database and you also hear from a lot of doctors and physicians that they either don't utilize EMRs to their fullest extent, or don't really see the benefit they have because they either don't communicate well between healthcare institutions or providers. And what's the major blocker with record keeping in the medical industry? Why has it been such a challenge for providers to get their heads wrapped around it?
1: Well, I think it's because we have, um, well, let me let me share with you an example of, of an exception to the the, the general problematic rule. And then I'll do my best to, to tell you what I think the rule is. The exception is um, uh, some some newer practices and companies like um, Iora Health is one I happen to know a little bit about. Um, know the founder. I don't have any financial relationship with them. Um, and you know they're they're taking on um, complete care of their patients and um, uh, are, are on the hook for the quality of that care in terms of how they're, they're um, about in terms of how they get paid and they've built their own EMR system which has um, much less to do with billing the insurance company and collecting the data that justifies a given billing code and much more to do with um, their team's ability to take care of a bunch of patients in a effective and holistic way on the other hand um, you know Epic is the, is the leading EMR company in the US. Um, and it's been designed not and this is not Epic's fault, this is the marketplace's fault, if you will. It's been designed to, um, to make it so that I can as efficiently as possible collect the data needed to justify the highest billing code so that we can get reimbursed as well as, we, as, well as possible by private and public insurers.
0: So, do you think that they, Epic and Cerner, the the health system or the EMRs built exactly what was needed for? Because uh, I'm always I'm always interested in people's opinion. I've heard different opinions on whether they those two were just at the right place at the right time when the stimulus package came out and um, and incentives were changed uh, for health systems, <clears throat> or if they really built something that was so much different and so much better for um, not specifically the physicians interaction or user experience, but uh, for improving ROI and um, maybe uh, uh, whether it was uptime or, I, I'm curious if they were just in the right place at the right time or they really did build something special to allow for uh, uh, hospitals.
1: I, I think the answer lies somewhere in between. Um, I, I'm, I don't think what they've done is extraordinary. Um, they've also done a really, they're also really good at their jobs, um, but they've, they've not solved um, fundamentally difficult problems. They've built good businesses That had um, good timing and excellent execution.
0: Mm. Yeah, it was it was really interesting reading the Digital Doctor, the the book because he he really talked about how the recession created the opportunity to expand upon, um, uh, uh, basically socialized healthcare, but they did so with the stimulus package, and ACA, which you know my my sort of interpretation of it is that it was. Uh, pressed upon hospitals to use electronic medical records, not in an organic way. So actually in the book, he used the example of if you look at um, oncology or uh, you know the folks that will use the x-rays, uh, radiology, they're the ones who are typically very tech-focused individuals. Uh, they're early adopters to technology. And they didn't need any forcing function or any regulation to get them to adopt technology. It was There was out, products out in the market that were better. Um, and I'm sure they lobbied for it internally and, and started using it. And then they saw a benefit from it, which is how sort of every other industry works, right? As technology comes out and people start using it and they're like, wow, this is actually better than doing paper. Um, and it happened in radiology, but it didn't happen across the board uh, for physicians. It seemed like it was more shoved down their throat. Like there was a, you know, be, having that mandatory requirement almost was like a premature birth <laughs> In a way, for EMRs,
1: yeah. yeah, and I think that's a great um, juxtaposition: radiology versus versus a variety of other fields. So, in radiology, um, the doctor is already interacting with the computer, so you don't have to totally disrupt his or her workflow and and stick a computer in between the patient and the doctor. And The doctors are already looking at a screen. It used to actually be, you know, a, a a printed printed film, a backlit printed film, but, but you know, we started putting them on, on computer screens, so they're already interacting with the computer. And um, a huge value that you can give to the radiologist is is um, allowing them to, to dictate and providing them with software that because um, the, the domain is pretty narrow. They're not talking about a gazillion different things. There's, there's only a limited number of studies of kinds of, of x-rays and CT scans, et cetera. And so um, we, you know, the field, we were, we were pretty early on um, able to build software that could accurately and efficiently transcribe their notes in real time.
0: Hmm. yeah.
1: And, and so you're, basically you said, hey, radiologist, let me make your job easier.
0: Who says no to that? Right, right. So, so
1: that, that's that's how the market's supposed to work.
0: Yeah, Andrew, where, where do you look at it now and say if there's if there's people out there listening, thinking, uh, I want to get into healthcare. I know it's there's a you know it's it's broken, it's expensive. There's a lot of opportunity. Um, where do you, where would you point people, or how would you even how how would you approach it and say if I wanted to start a company tomorrow, uh, I, I've heard different approaches. There's actually one individual I talked to, and I I really liked his approach. He said, you know, I would start with the the CPT codes, which are the uh, Medicare reimbursement codes. So if if there's a code for your specific um, offering, your solution, then you can bill Medicare for it and other insurances. And then he would go down the list and he would compare the offerings from what's in the market, and he'd find one that he said, you know, I can build this better than anyone else. And and he sort of did it in the reverse way. which is just an issue you know home hero was not started that way. we didn't go through a list of c p t codes and and do that, but I'm interested how you would uh if you were either starting today or even how you started smart patients uh, maybe maybe it's more interesting just hear how you started that company and what your inspiration was behind it um or if you if you find it interesting, give a perspective uh on the former as well
1: yeah well um i will i'll jump into smart patients in a second and I'll start by saying that you know i think. I think there's certainly enough um, inefficiency and money in healthcare that there are tons of interesting and potentially successful companies that, that one could start. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't suggest looking at it the way um, uh, you shared before. I think that's a smart way to look at it from a pure business perspective. Um, I happen to believe that um, b- the most successful businesses are going to be the ones where um, you start with a problem that you really care about for some reason, um, as opposed to a, a business opportunity that you notice. Um, I, every everything ends up being much harder than you expect, and, and so you need um, you need a lot of reserves in 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 the form of passion to to have the ability to to build something that's going to be um, uh, sustainable and and impactful. Now that's maybe. A little bit of an idealistic perspective, but but it's my perspective. So uh, so, and this is this. I, I think this is true regardless of whether you're talking about healthcare or something else. Each of us, in in my opinion, should be working on what we're most passionate about, and and uh, the world will be an even better place the more of us that are empowered to do that, because because then we'll we'll enjoy our jobs, we'll probably work harder, we'll be more creative, we'll get more things done. I'm I'm all about figuring out what you think is most interesting, um, uh, challenging, uh, uh, empowering to, to you or something that you could help empower others with, and then don't take no for an answer, figure out a way to do that. Um, I think that has a lot of interesting implications to how we pursue our education. Mm. Um, uh, I think, I think we can, we can be doing, we can be letting younger and younger people, um, uh, start sooner to do the things that they really care about as opposed to sort of very predefined curricula until they're, um, you know, 18 years old or even 22 years old. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so, so for, for me and how I ended up at, at smart patients, um, I was, so, so we already talked a little bit about my path and how I ended up at Google and, and I had the best job in the world. And, and, uh, one of the, a couple things happened that, it kind of collided and, and made me turn, turn my direction by a few degrees. Um, I got sick, um, turned out to be something, uh, I mean, I've had a few, I've had a few, um, uh, interludes with the healthcare system as a patient. Um, but in this case, I happened to have a, a bleed in my brain and, um, it turned out to be, um, uh, if, if you can believe it kind of minor. Um, but it was, but we didn't know that right away. And, um, and I was, I was hanging out in the uh, neuro-intensive care unit as a patient, and I was the only conscious patient and sent my wife home because we finally figured out that everything was going to be just fine. Um, uh, I was going to have to stay in the hospital for a little bit. And so I was just literally hanging out in the neuro-ICU um, and thinking, okay, well, what now? I just got a free pass. So, so that – was was kind of the context and i had been for the previous several months spending a lot of my time learning about the world of kind of the intersection of social networking and and healthcare uh, and i, I had I, my, my job at google over the years um, the, the thing that the thing that i did throughout my six years and probably spent the most time on overall was trying to figure out how to make the Google search box more useful for the crazy number of people that put health questions into it every day. And one thing that seemed to be changing, and this was basically the the Facebook effect, you know, kind of culturally, um, uh, Facebook was was taking off over these years, is that people were no longer just looking for documents. They were looking for each other, which totally makes sense. You know, you get sick, um, or you're taking care of somebody who's sick. Mm um, which is, that's even more relevant to, to your world, Mike. Um, uh, and, and it's, it can be, it can be confusing and scary and lonely. And, um, and we no longer, we were sort of past the, the time of pretending that the article on WebMD was going to solve all your problems and realizing that things are a little bit more complicated and subtle and, and you really wanted to learn from other people. And, and so I, I actually hired a guy to, to, to consult for our team at Google to teach us about this, this emerging world of, of online patient communities. He turns out to be my co-founder at Smart Patients. His name is Gilles Friedman, and he's been in the online patient community space since the mid-90s when his wife got sick. And, um, and that, you know, my um, kind of reset when I, had, when I had my brain bleed made me think, you know what, um, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was really comfortable. Um, I don't. I don't know that I would have made the transition, or at least when I would have made that transition, if it hadn't been for this kind of dramatic um, moment to to reevaluate everything. Um, but that was the time, and uh, shortly thereafter, I left Google and started Smart Patients with Gilles. And um, and and that was the result of of he and I talking about what existed already for for patients online in terms of, in terms of a, a, modern peer support system and, and what could exist? What are the things that a, that a wonderfully designed system could do, um, to sort of tap into the power of, of networked people in the context of solving, helping solve each other's healthcare problems. And so we started in oncology. Um, so this is, you know, we, I left Google in 2012, early 2012 we spent the first year building version one building a team building version one and uh, launched in 2013 and um, we started in oncology because that's where, where his previous community building work had been done so we had a, a big head start there and um, and it's been an, an awesome adventure since then of, of um, understanding how to make peer support online work really well and understanding how to partner with the healthcare system so that um, so that we can all tap into the knowledge that exists among networked patients uh, so that's kind of a heady a heady statement um, yeah. but but I'll stop talking for yeah a no I, I,
0: I love I love the you know from the highest possible level yeah when you talk about human interaction and the direction that it goes from the Facebook effect I think Facebook just reflects the Internet catching up to the human effect of people wanting to connect um, I mean the Google search bar is brilliant but the Google search bar doesn't like you said doesn't naturally connect you with other people and if you think about prior to the Internet and computers what do you do when you get sick your first reaction is not to go to a book and open it um, you know unless you already are a doctor your, your reaction is to ask other people and I think it's just a perfect extension of what people naturally want to do um, and uh, you know you can start to see this from uh, all the doctor there's 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 many other uh, services out there I do like on-demand doctor doctor texting or just connecting people with um, not necessarily physicians but folks that like you said are not just web md they're people who can respond and and treat you like a person so I, th- I think it's it's brilliant um, uh, where do you sort of see it going if 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 all things are successful, you know, you fast forward in the future, where where do you hope to sort of stand on the mountaintop with smart patients and look down and say, this is something you helped contribute to building?
1: Well, I think a couple of things. Um, what I, what I see, you know, 40 years from now, um, and I'd like it to be four and could probably be somewhere in between is, um, is a... A system, a dynamic, um, and a culture where patients are, are patients and families are less thought of as the recipients of care, the passive recipients of care, and are more thought of as as active collaborators. and um, And that means that we are doing a better job, sort of figuring out what do they really want and need, and, and working with them to figure that out, as opposed to. Kind of pretending that that expert doctors know everything and can solve every problem, um, and that that we have um, the opportunity to also accelerate the way we figure new things out, whether that's designing new products or apps or or drugs um, or or services, by um, really just applying the the almost mundane now mundane principles of user centered design that that we were pretty good at practicing and. You know in, in startup land um, and applying that to healthcare you know if you think about the way for example that a, that a clinical trial um, is is designed and executed um, it's kind of like the equivalent to uh, apple making the next version of the iphone and putting it on the shelves of you know every apple store and best buy without ever having shown it to a potential user first like, which, which sounds just absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah. Right? It just sounds like bad business. <laughs> but but the, way, the way that we do science involves having a very small number of experts um, figure out exactly what the questions are, exactly how everything's going to be set up, exactly what patients are going to be asked to do, and, um, and not really getting any user feedback along the way. Now, that's not necessarily the most important problem to solve is the design of clinical trials, although I think it's an interesting one um, to, to work on. But I think that's true of, of everything about healthcare, is, is we, need to, we, we need to just dramatically change our perspective from patient as recipient of healthcare to patient as co-creator of healthcare.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, we're gonna wrap up soon, but just we have time for uh, just one more question now. I remember at the beginning of our conversation, you had mentioned that you had uh, taken a lot for granted when you were, you know, coming up through the ranks in in school, like like you had your MD at Stanford, you did your residency at uh, UCSF, so you've been, your education was in the heart of Silicon Valley, and you said that you took a lot for granted when you started seeing how different healthcare providers operate outside of that, so what do you think was one of the biggest areas of need you saw when you left Silicon Valley and what do you think we can do to fix it?
1: Well, I think it really complements what we've been talking about. Um, Silicon Valley, stereotypically, and I think pretty accurately, has been about um, kind of a um, a fearless belief that interesting problems are are solvable and that every week that goes by, there are better and better tools and, uh, creative people around who can do a better job than the last, um, than the last solution to an interesting problem. And I, I juxtapose the following a lot. You know, we work with, we work with a lot of medical centers and, um, if I want to make them uncomfortable or remind them at how different their organization is to smart patients as an organization, I remind them that we release a new version of our website every Wednesday. And, and that means that if they have a request, you know, we can have it done in a week or two if, if it's a good request. Um, and, um, and that, that mentality is, is, uh, is a really powerful one. It's kind of liberating. Mm-hmm. You mean we could actually just decide to do something different and thoughtfully design it, implement it, and then see if we were right and then if we weren't, we can change it the next week.
0: Yeah. It's like it goes from like building a house to building building software.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's that's part of the the mentality and that's that's kind of normal, you know, in some neighborhoods like like in in lots of neighborhoods in the Bay Area um uh, and many other places. Um and that's very very not um the way that that healthcare uh thinks. Mm. So I yeah. think that that's that's the opportunity.
0: Yeah yeah I think that's awesome Ronnie if there's any um, uh, closing remarks and then, and then particularly around uh, smart patients what would, what would be most helpful for you guys if there are engineers investors partners anyone else listening out there that thinks would uh, love to get in touch or help what, what would be most helpful what are you guys looking for um, so
1: I think yeah, so thank you for the question. So, um, you know, always looking for great people, always happy to talk to, to potential investors, but most, the, the thing that, that, um, that I'm most interested in, um, that we're most interested in, is um, meeting um, people who work at healthcare systems who want to um, enable their patients to learn from other patients. This is, this is still a pretty new idea. I, I, I make a habit of asking, when I get to talk to groups of clinicians, I make a habit of asking, how many of you have ever introduced one of your patients to another one of your patients? And the answer is about half a percent. And that's not because they've thought about it and decided it was a bad idea. It's just something we don't think about. We're not trained to think about the role of patients as teachers of other patients. And, and, and it's, it's scary because it's different. It's not it's not the current mentality. So that's the conversation I'm most excited about having with folks who, who are interested for a variety of reasons.
0: That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that's an inspiring story. And we, we work, you know, Home Hero announced our enterprise product a few days ago. And we work with more health systems now than we ever have. So um, you can count on us to spread the word as we have our conversations organically. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's, Ronnie, this is great. Um, thank you for joining us today and uh, best of luck I think smart patients is a tremendous model and you guys are really on something special
1: well likewise and thanks
0: so much for having me